We ready? All right. Well, welcome to our uh, morning service, and I think several folks have already tuned in, and so looking forward to a good time together today around God's Word. If you have a songbook, uh, you can turn with us. We're going to be on 132. I know some of our church folks have a songbook at home. If not, it's uh, He Lives. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And uh, we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ today in a great fitting song. 132, and uh, we'll sing all three verses. <clears throat> I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Well, that high note is a little bit high for me, so y'all are going to have to really sing loud over the live stream so I can hear that, because I'm probably going to drop out on that one. But boy, what a great song this morning, isn't it? He lives within my heart. People ask, how do we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen and the reason we know is He lives inside of us. And those of us that have trusted Him as our Savior, we know that. We see Him at work in our life. And we certainly understand that He has a, a risen Savior. Let's sing that second verse together. In all the world around me I see His loving care. <clears throat> I never will despair. I know that He is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of His appearing will come at last. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Let's bow our heads in prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing on the service this morning. Father, we are so grateful and thankful for the privilege to meet together on this uh, beautiful Resurrection Day. And Lord, as we take and turn our hearts, we have for several weeks now been with anticipation awaiting a time where we can just spend an entire day rejoicing and focusing and pointing people to you about the resurrection 
And Lord, what an amazing miracle it was the day that You rose from the dead, triumphant. And Lord, that You have given us the victory by putting our faith and trust in Your shed blood on Calvary. You've given us forgiveness of sin. You've given us a home in heaven. You've allowed us to become joint heirs with You and to become children of our God and our King. And Lord, what a joy it is in our hearts and our lives this morning as we rejoice in all that You did for our salvation. We pray that You would bless the time that we spend together in fellowship and singing and uh, around Your Word and seeing the uh, truth that Your Word teaches and, and uh, declares to us. We pray that You would bless those that are listening by way of live stream. And Lord, while we've not been able to assemble all of our folks together uh, today uh, due to these circumstances and days that we're living in, we are grateful and thankful that we still have the freedom to come and to openly and publicly preach Your Word I pray that you would bless the time that we spend here. May your Holy Spirit move in this service and encourage our hearts and strengthen our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go back to uh, page 124. 124, lead me to Calvary, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. And we'll sing all four verses once again. Number 124. King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou wast laid, tenderly mourned and wept. Angels in robes of light arrayed, guarded thee whilst thou slept. Lest I forget Gethsemane, Lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Let me like Mary through the gloom come with a gift to thee. Show to me now the empty tomb, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget my love for me, lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. Even thy cup of grief to share, thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. <coughs> I think we'll do one more today. <coughs> Uh, let's take our Bible, or our Bibles. Let's take our King James songbooks, if you will, and turn to 134, if you will. Number 134. I'm in the habit of preaching too much. Let's turn in our 
I'm not used to saying songbook. So, number 134, I know that my Redeemer liveth and on the earth again shall stand. And uh, we'll sing all three verses, number 134. I know that my Redeemer liveth and on the earth again shall stand. I know eternal life He giveth, that grace and power are in His hand. I know, I know that Jesus liveth, and on the earth again shall stand. I know, I know that life He giveth, that grace and power are in His hand. I know His promise never faileth the <coughs> Though cruel death my flesh assaileth, yet I shall see Him by and by. I know, I know that Jesus liveth, and on the earth again shall stand. <coughs> That life He giveth, that grace and power are in His hand. I know my mansion He prepareth, that where He is, there I may be. Oh, wondrous thought for me He careth, and He at last will come for me. I know, I know that Jesus liveth and on the earth again shall stand. I know, I know that life He giveth, that grace and power are in His hand. Amen. Thank you, Miss Roberts, for playing for us this morning. And um, appreciate many of you tuning in today. And I uh, wish that things were different and that we could all be together. But I'll tell you this, when we all do get together, uh, either uh, when this coronavirus is over or if the rapture should happen, that'd be even better yet, wouldn't it? And we all get together. Uh, as the songwriter said, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And we will certainly rejoice in it. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of John. Chapter number 19, <clears throat> John chapter 19, there has been a lot that has been preached on the crucifixion, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ over the number of years, and I thought of this uh, back around the fall of last year, a thought came to my mind and my heart that... Uh, there has been an awful lot of preaching on our Lord Jesus Christ over 2,000 years worth of it. And men that uh, are much more skilled and articulate and able to preach. And yet the truth is, if you were to take all of the preaching of all of those thousands of years, we've not even yet begun to scratch the surface of our Savior. And what a joy it is. <clears throat> and I love this time of year to, to think and rejoice in the Lord's resurrection, but it is a humbling time, isn't it? As we look at ourselves and we see ourselves for what we are, that we are just old rotten sinners. And uh, I, 
I tell you, you know, I, I understand we live in a world today that teaches us that everybody has value, everybody's worth something. But can I tell you this? When it comes to our spiritual nature, we were nothing. We were absolutely nothing. But God looked down and He saw something there that He loved. He was willing to send His Son to die on the cross in our place. And we've spent a week or so now in <clears throat> dealing with events <clears throat> leading up to the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ last Sunday, dealing with uh, the uh, Palm Sunday, and uh, as the folks uh, cried, Hosanna in the highest, and uh, how we express that uh, God could have used anything in creation, anything He made, He could have used to accomplish His work, and yet He chooses us to accomplish His work in this life, and what a joy that is. And uh, we uh, found that there was a, uh, a, a supper that He had with His disciples in the upper room uh, just before uh, He was to be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the picture of the covenant that was being made, the New Testament, He said that He told His disciples, this is the New Testament in My blood. And the covenant that He was making that is a perfect covenant. Aren't we glad for that? That what finally, once for all, at Calvary, there is no longer needing the blood of goats and calves. But the Bible says that once for all, He entered into the holies and sprinkled His own blood on the mercy seat, and that it is for the remission of the sins of all of mankind. And I am so thankful that it was done once for all. There was a song years ago when I was in college, and I understand the, the, the gist of what the songwriter was trying to ask, but the question he asked in the song was, does he still feel the nails every time I fail? And the truth is, our Lord does not get re-crucified every time we sin. He was killed once for all. He died once for all. And by the way, I don't want to use the word killed. He, he wasn't, his life was not taken from him. Amen. He laid down his life and gave it up willingly. And uh, yet he uh, paid that price, the Bible says, once for all. He doesn't have to be re-crucified every time we sin. And I understand we can bring sorrow to his heart, and I understand where the songwriter was going with that song. But I, I think so oftentimes that uh, we, we miss the, the spectacular miracle that took place the day that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, how he went to the garden, and we talked a little bit about that last Sunday, and uh, there he grieved, and he asked his father if there was any other way to let this cup pass from him. He expressed how that he could have easily, as the men came to take him away, he told them as they uh, took their swords out to defend him, he said, put them away. He said, don't you understand, don't you know, that I could call legions of angels, he said, and they would come at my beckoning. And yet he didn't. He chose willingly, knowing what was in front of him. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter number twelve, it says, "Who for the joy that was which for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame." We cannot understand fully the the price that was paid. There was a physical price that was paid on Calvary, no doubt. We read the account of how he was beaten and how his beard was plucked from him and how that uh, the crown of thorns was plated on his head. How that the Bible says that you could look in and in in prophetically in, in Isaiah it talks about looking in and seeing his innards of his body as he's ripped to shreds and the ribbons of his flesh were torn open from the beatings that he had. And then he was laid on a cross and nailed through his hands and his feet. And while there was such physical agony, can I tell you, probably 
the greatest agony that our Savior had to face was when the sin of the world was placed upon him. And his father turned. And all I can say this morning is, oh, what a Savior. And I want us to look at the type of Savior that we have this morning as we get to verse number 19. I'm going to back up to uh, chapter 18 for a moment. And I'm going to back up to uh, verse number 19. We're going to hit a few high spots here. And then we're going to move on to chapter number 19. In chapter 18 of the book of John, verse 19, the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him and spake openly to the world, uh, I ever taught in the synagogues and in the temple, whether the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, and saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas and had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art thou uh, not... Uh, art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did I not see thee in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again. And immediately the cock crew. We're not going to read all of the rest of chapter number 18, and we're going to read another account of Peter's denial in just a moment. But I want us to go on over now, if you will, to chapter number 19. Verse number 1, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law by our law. He ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. By the way, let me just say this. It was only against the law if he was not the Son of God. And he was. Then Pilate, therefore, heard that saying, He was more afraid. And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivereth me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross 
went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. And two other with him, on either side, one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read, Many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh unto the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews, uh, of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he saith, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, Therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning. Use it to encourage us, to show us your great, great love, to remind us once again of the great sacrifice that was made on our behalf. That we may leave here more grateful and with a heart that is overflowing with love for you. I pray that you would bless those that are watching by way of the internet and the streaming that you would use it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to look at several events in the time of the crucifixion before we get to the resurrection that show us a little bit of the heart of our Savior. I don't know if we understand this or not because a lot of times we read Scripture and and those of us that have been saved any length of time have read a lot of these stories. We've heard a lot of them preached on. And so many times... There are little pieces of Scripture that we seem to just kind of run past them and we don't give a lot of thought to them. But understand this, that the God, uh, the God of the universe had come down to this earth and humbled Himself and He had a lot of things going on. He was here to uh, bring about the salvation of mankind and to pay the price for sin. He knew from the foundation of the earth, the Bible says that this plan was already made. It was already taken care of. He already knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to come. He knew the, the suffering and the pain that was going to be there. And then the time comes. And, and Jesus is going through so much. If you can imagine uh, us as a human going through uh, such things that, that the human body can only take so much emotionally and the physical pain, and there's, there's right to the brink of what the body can tolerate before it passes out. And Jesus is brought humanly and in His physical form, He's brought right to the edge of those things. And I can tell you this, that there have been a few times in my life that I have done things that have been very, very painful physically. And usually when those things happen, the only thing that is on my mind is, what can I do to stop this? I don't think of other things. In fact, I, there, there could be all kinds of stuff going on around me, and I wouldn't know. I wouldn't understand. 
You hear stories of people uh, in our world today that get in car accidents and, and other horrific accidents that uh, they will, after the fact, begin to try to describe the events that took place. And all they can think is focus on uh, their own personal viewpoint and their own suffering, their own thoughts, and that many times the environment and the things around them, uh, they cannot remember, they don't even know or understand them. But I want us this morning to see the heart of our Savior. Because in the midst of all of this, He does some things. In the midst of all of this, He's there at the cross in Calvary, and He looks down and He sees His mother there. And in the middle of all of it, He has compassion on her. Not just for her being His mother. But can I tell you this, the Lord Jesus Christ, while He was on the cross was not focused on his own pain and his own suffering, but he was focused on the sins of you and I. I honestly believe this, that the Lord Jesus Christ, while he was on the cross, saw every single one of us. I believe that he looked down through history and through the future, and he saw every one of us that would put our faith and trust in him. He saw every sinner that was out there, and his heart broke for them. As he paid their price, he paid the price for their sin. And here the Lord Jesus Christ, in the middle of all of this going on, He stops for a moment, and He makes certain that His mother is taken care of. We look at that and we say, what a Savior. What a Savior. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke, and I want you to look at another passage, another account of the crucifixion. And we find in verse chapter number 23 of the book of Luke, if you will, Luke 23, and verse number 39. The Bible says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He took time in his crucifixion to make certain that a lost soul that was turning to him was dealt with. And isn't that just like our Savior? If you think about his life on earth, how often there were times that people came to him in moments of distress, and he would stop his busy schedule, even if it meant in the middle of a multitude of people, and he would deal with the one. I'm thankful one day that he looked down and he saw my soul, and he dealt with me. Not just the multitudes, he dealt with me. And here he is, hanging on the cross in all of the pain and all of the torment, understanding the spiritual implication and all that he was doing for the redemption of mankind. So much on his plate at this time. And yet he takes the time to stop in the midst of all of it and make certain that one more sheep came into the fold. And we say, oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. He takes the time for one soul. In his earthly ministry, he shared the parable of the man who had lost one sheep. 
Though he had a hundred, he left the ninety and nine and went searching for the one. And when he found him, he rejoiced. Can I tell you this, that God is interested in you this morning. I, I, I fear so often that we, we, we look at God and the fact that He loves the world. And I'm thankful for John 3.16, aren't you? I'm thankful He loved the world. But beyond that, can I tell you this, He loves you. He loves you. And I don't think we ought to ever get to the place where we think that God loves the multitudes of people but he doesn't really think a whole lot of me. Because the truth is, if you had been the only one, if I had been the only one, he would have still gone to Calvary. Here we find this malefactor who's on the side of him, and he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And I can say this, Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Now, if you will, look with me in the book of Mark, chapter 14. Mark chapter number 14, we're going to see another event that takes place that I think is one of the most remarkable things during the time of this, these, these last moments with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter number 14, and we'll begin reading in verse number 66. And as Peter was beneath in the palace... There was come one of the maids of the high priest, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, Thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them, and he denied it again, and a little after, they uh, that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereunto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Here we find that Peter does the exact thing that Christ mentioned that he would do at the Last Supper. I don't know how Peter felt. I know that there are times in my life that I deny Christ, that I fail Him. And I know how it makes me feel. And I can only understand the sorrow that he must have had, as the Bible says that when he thought thereon, he wept. There was, a, there was a bitter weeping in Peter's heart as he realized that he had denied his Savior three times. Now, if you will, look with me in John chapter 21. The book of John chapter number 21. Let's back up a little bit to chapter 20. I'm going to read through several verses here. John chapter 20, verse number 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him 
Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping, and she wept. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And here we find that Peter hears the news that the Lord Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Can you put yourself in Peter's position for a moment this morning? What do you think would have been on his thought and in his mind as he realized that the Savior that he had denied just three days earlier was alive again? Well, I don't know. I've often thought of that. I've often wondered at the shame that there must have been often wonder how much he looked and wept and thought on those things and realized that I had failed. And he hears that Christ has been raised from the dead. In fact, I believe it was in the Gospel of Luke, in his account of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Mary finds him in the garden shortly after he's risen from the dead. And he says, I want you to go to the disciples and Peter. I want you to make sure you tell the disciples, but make certain that Peter knows that I've been raised from the dead. What a Savior. What a Savior. When you look at the denial that Peter did and the fact that Jesus Christ holds that not against him, but continues to love him in spite of his shortcomings. Look with me now in chapter 21 of the book of John in in verse number 15. So when they had dined... Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Notice what the Bible says here. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? I don't believe that Peter was grieved because he thought that the Lord was not believing his statement. I think that Peter could think of nothing else over these three days but the fact that he had denied his Lord three times. That he could not think of anything other than the fact of wonder what the Lord is thinking of me. And even now as he sits with the disciples, and even though the Lord has appeared to them now a couple of times, that Peter in the back of his mind is thinking, I wonder what the Savior is thinking of me. And all of a sudden, it real, the realization hits him that the Savior has asked him three times, Lovest thou me? And allowed him three times to proclaim his love for the Savior. I look at that and I say, Oh, what a Savior. 
What a Savior. I love the story of the resurrection. There's an awful lot that's been written about it, and there are a lot of things that can be preached. How that He went into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights and led captivity captive. How that the graves of many of the Old Testament saints were opened and many walked around and were seen of people in the city of Jerusalem. We could talk a lot about the fact that when He first rose from the dead, that Mary came and saw Him in the garden. He said, Don't touch Me, for I have not yet ascended to My Father. We could speak of those things. We could speak of the fact that just a few hours later He meets with His disciples and there He lets them handle Him. We could speak of the fact that at the first meeting of the disciples, Thomas wasn't there. As the disciples told Thomas what had happened, He said, I won't believe it unless I put my hands in His marks, in the, in the prints of His hand and in His side. And the second time Jesus appears, Thomas is there. I like that. You know what that tells me about Thomas? He missed it the first time, but he wasn't going to miss it the next time. He wanted to be there wherever the Lord was going to be. And while he may have forsaken being around the disciples the first time, he certainly wasn't going to do it a second time. But you know what I love about that story? When Jesus appears and Thomas is there the second time, you know what the Lord says to Thomas? He says, I want you to put your hands in my nail prints. I want you to put it in my side. Thomas had not expressed that to the Lord, but you know the Lord knew Thomas's heart and his thoughts. And even though Thomas doubted the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus came and reassured him of it. Not judgmentally. He didn't come and chasten Thomas. But lovingly, he allows him to have his faith restored. And all I can say is, oh, what a Savior. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ allows several things to take place. It allows the sacrifice to be a perfect sacrifice and the blood of that perfect sacrifice to be taken to the place in heaven of the mercy seat by the only one that was worthy to be the high priest, the Lord Jesus Himself, as He takes His own blood and sprinkles it on the mercy seat for the forgiveness and the covering of man's sin. Then He comes and He resurrects from the dead. The Bible says He resurrected from the dead, having victory over death and hell and the grave. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And I tell you this this morning, if you're trusting Christ as your Savior, if you know Him this morning and He's forgiven your sin, He's allowed you to become one of His children. You've put your faith and trust in Him this morning. You and I, of all people, have reason to rejoice and to shout and to cheer. There ought to be such, a, such an overwhelming joy in our hearts at the resurrection of our blessed Savior. Because if it had not been for the resurrection, He would not have been who He said He was. He would not have been the, the Savior that we were looking for, the Messiah that had been promised all the way back in the Garden of Eden. He would not have been that. And the Bible says this, if that had been the case, you and I, of all men, would be most miserable, having no hope. A little over 2,000 years ago, I told Jonathan that this morning. I said, we woke up this morning. I said, you know, a little over 2,000 years ago, our Lord and Savior on this earth stepped out of a grave, alive and well. He said, Dad, it was 2,020 years ago. 
If we want to be specific about it, 2,020 years ago, our Savior stepped out of a grave. One that had been dead is now alive by His own power. And He has conquered the death and the hell of the grave, and He's given us the free gift of eternal life by offering Himself. You know, I, I think we sometimes look at these stories in Scripture and we don't realize the reality of them sometimes. It, just, it doesn't seem that long ago, but 2,020 years ago is quite a long time. But that the Lord Jesus Christ literally came out of the grave, was seen by many people. He spoke to His disciples and He gave them the Great Commission. He said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I said at the onset of the message that he could have used anything he chose, that he created to do his work, but he chose to use you and I. It would have been enough for God to give his mercy to us. That would have been enough. We would have been grateful for that. But you know, he went further than that. He gave us his grace. He gave us much more than we could ever deserve. Gave us a home in heaven for all of eternity. He allows us to be part of His family, to be heirs and join heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. He allows us to be the child of a king, to have all of those resources. He allows us the privilege to stay on this earth and to serve Him. And can I say out of all of that, all we can say is, oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. How much He cares and how much He loves each and every one of us. And I've said this so many times before. The amazing thing to me is this. He didn't really have to, did He? When we think of who He is, it would have been so easy for God to just wipe the slate clean and clear everything off the earth and start all over again. But He didn't choose to do that. He chose to love you and He chose to love me. He chose to suffer these things. He chose to go through Calvary to pay for our sin. And I hope this morning that we will be encouraged by this. I'm thankful we serve a risen Savior. I was thinking this morning, so many religions around the world that have uh, leaders in their, in their history and the men that they hold to, some of them they consider to be gods, that are dead and in the grave. In fact, you can go visit their graves. You can go visit the grave of Confucius and Buddha and all these different people, Muhammad. But there's a grave that we have that we can go to, and it's empty today because our Savior is risen. And as we sang earlier this morning, how do we know that He's living today? Because He lives within our hearts. There's something that's different from the day we got saved. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you today. God doesn't make it hard for you to be redeemed to be forgiven of your sins. He doesn't make you jump through hoops. He doesn't make you work and labor for it. He went through all of that simply to give it to us as a free gift. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. He didn't come to make your life more miserable. He came to make it so you'd have life more abundantly. He didn't come to put a bunch of rules and restrictions upon you. He came to give you freedom. There would, there would not be any more of the yoke of bondage upon us. And can I tell you this, when we look at all that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth for, all we can say is, oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. And we thank Him for His graciousness and His goodness to us.
We won't ever understand, I don't think, the heart of the Lord. I don't know how we can ever understand His love. Because we are not a lovable people. But I'm thankful that He did, aren't you? Glad that He loved us. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. As we've taken time to look at the things that happened during the crucifixion, how, how careful You were to give compassion to those that were in need during that time. And Lord, while You had so many other things going on, You stopped in the midst of all of it. And You loved those people. Lord, I'm thankful that there was a day a little over 30 years ago that You interrupted Your schedule to express Your compassion and Your love for me. Lord, we are grateful this morning for Your price that has been paid. And Lord, we rejoice so much that You did not stay in that grave. But three days later, You came up out of that grave victorious. And because of Your victory over death, hell, and the grave, You give us the victory, the Bible says, that we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we come to You this morning. We rejoice in that. We celebrate Your resurrection today. And we want to tell You thank You for all that You have done for us. Lord, even though we were yet sinners and even though we were unlovable, the great, great love that You loved us with, we want to come this morning and say thank You. Those that are here this morning by way of live stream that may or may not know if they're to die today, that they would go to heaven, I pray that today would be the day that they would put their trust in You. That they would accept that free gift of eternal life and allow You to be their Savior and for them to be Your children. And those of us that are Christians today, I do pray that You would encourage our hearts, Lord, as we leave this place today rejoicing in who You are and thanking You for the great price that was paid for our salvation. Thank You for the time that we've had to spend together today. And we look forward to the rest of the day as we spend another uh, time here just shortly in, in a little while to rejoice in You. We pray that You'll bless all that we say and do today, that it'll bring honor and glory to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you for tuning in today.